I start to write down things that I want to achieve. I start talking and thinking, it's a brand new year. It's a fresh slate. I'm going to do all these things, you know, and I start to kind of, you know, get all amped up about it. Anybody like that? Is it just me? Anybody get all excited about, like, yeah, yeah, I just got some goals, right? I always write down like 30 goals. Like, I mean, this is going to be the year, you know? And then I actually come up against this thing called challenges. Anybody ever come up against challenges when it comes to things they want to do? Yeah, I have things I'd like to do all the time. Goals and ambitions and desires. And then I come up against these things called roadblocks. Challenges. Things that trip me up. And oftentimes I just feel like, oh man, if I just didn't have this challenge, I can get through this thing. Well, my wife and I have this phrase that helps us to brace for challenging times that we're about to go through. We feel like we're about to go through. And we said, it feels like there's white water ahead. It feels like there's white water ahead, which gives you this sense that you're in this, you know, white water rafting trip, you know, and everything's going smooth, things are peaceful. And then you get this feeling that there's a challenge coming. Then all of a sudden the boat speeds up. You can, you know, kind of feels a little bit rocky. And you feel like, "Uh uh-oh, it's time to brace ourselves because we're about to go through a challenging season. You ever feel that way? So we use that word. I feel it feels like there's white water ahead so that we can recognize that it's time to brace ourselves a little bit. And sometimes challenges come internally. Sometimes we go through internal stuff. We struggle mentally, emotionally, psychologically. And sometimes we go through things externally. Things happen to us. There's a, a diversion. Something came in the road that we weren't expecting. We had a speed bump. You know, we, we, we kind of spun out a little bit. And we're going through something that we didn't expect. And it's a challenge. And this tells us that it might require for us to sometimes make an adjustment to make a change to respond to the challenge that we're up against. But I just wanted to remind us that these moments of white water, these moments of challenge is meant to be for a patch or a leg of the race. It's not supposed to be the whole race. Meaning if you've been in white water for like your whole life, it's time to have a conversation because maybe you're like off the path a little bit, all right? But challenges, they come in patches. They come in legs. And all of us are meant to hit some challenges, some rough patches, some, some struggles. And so for us, we can, we can count on going through, through some challenges and getting a little water in our mouth. Ooh, got some water in mouth. Or getting a little water in our boat or getting a little bit wet. It might mean that we have to hold on a little bit tighter and our knuckles start to get white because we're bracing ourselves for something that's very challenging. We all go through these challenging times. And as scary as it might be, it's important for us to actually go through them. We have to go through them so that we can learn, so that we can grow. And it's important for us to take them on and to not decide to just park ourselves on the banks of life and just letting it go by because we're afraid to face the challenges that God has for us. So it means that we're going to get shaken up a little bit. It means that we're going to get kind of, you know, tossed around. But that's what life is sometimes about. It's it's supposed to be ridden. It's supposed to be for us to take these challenges on. It means that sometimes in life we're going to have some challenging parts and that's okay. 
God has that as a part of our life. It means if he calls us to something, we should expect that we're going to have some moments of challenge. So we want to figure out today is how do we combat these challenges? Because God just doesn't want us to get sort of tossed around to and fro and to get dunked in the water. He actually wants us to respond well to these seasons of challenge so we can combat them, so that we can brace ourselves and handle them well. And I'm sure all of us have gone through some of these challenging moments, these whitewater experiences. And for some of us, they didn't go so well. Right. You ever went through a challenge and it's like, that didn't go well. I think I messed things up. I think that it might be possible that I could have hurt somebody. Or maybe I could have even hurt myself. Or maybe I gave others a reason to judge me. And that is why so many of us refuse to work through our challenges because we are afraid. We're afraid of the potential outcomes, the potential scenarios. We think that something could be much worse than it actually is. And so these challenges, they become sort of treacherous in our minds. A little white water and we think guaranteed there's a waterfall on the other side. Like if I keep going and it's picking up pace, that means I'm going to die. But why water challenges that we face are not always necessarily going to lead us to our death. Amen? It's not necessarily going to happen that we're going to die. But sometimes that's what happens in our head. Worst case scenario, we think it's going to happen. And so a lot of times when I counsel somebody or I coach someone, sometimes I want to talk through when they're going through a challenge, what is the worst case scenario? And typically, their worst case scenario is exacerbated like 20 times. Like, this could possibly happen. And I'm like, you know, if you go through this situation, it's very highly unlikely, probably not going to happen that way. Worst case scenario is probably something about, you know, 20 times less impactful. You know, it's kind of like we have this sort of, I could lose my shirt syndrome. You ever heard anybody say that? I can lose my shirt. Which basically means, I can lose everything, even my clothes. Ah! But could you imagine every, it's someone going through a situation, and they lose like all this money, and then they become naked? That's not reality. That's not what's going to happen, right? We don't usually put everything in on something, including the clothes on our backs. We just don't do that. But we have this sort of syndrome, this, this saying that like, if I take this risk or I go through this challenge, I could possibly lose everything. It could be the worst possible situation that I ever go through. We exacerbate potential worst case scenarios and it causes us to be afraid and not go through the challenges that God has for us. I was reminded of this time uh, when my wife and I were planning to move from Hawaii to San Francisco five years ago and uh, we had both quit our jobs. You know, we were both uh, either, we either sold or given everything that we had away. We didn't have jobs set up, and we were uncertain about where we were going to live. And there was a little fear starting to build up on how things were going to work out. I'm sure you can imagine. You know, me, my wife, my son, my wife is pregnant. Like, things were a little bit uncertain. And so there were some moments of stress and freaking out. Okay. Now, as we were choosing what few things that we were going to ship over, we had some room, we had something we were kind of filling, we're choosing this. My wife says, hey, let's keep our tent. And I said, now that's the spirit. And she looked at me, she said, no, for camping. Somehow, I had... 
yet allowed myself to think of this worst possible scenario that we might be homeless. We might be going to soup kitchens and food distribution centers, but my wife was good to not allow us to have this worst-case scenario going through our mind, causing, it to have, causing us to have fear. But instead, she was helping us to find a reality or a worst-case scenario that was based more on reality. So dealing with challenges, it starts in a place of dealing with our fears. We have to think about uh, what are some of the the, the different proportions and things that could potentially happen and the potential scenarios and the probabilities and the possible outcomes. And it's really great to have a friend who's near us or with us that can help to talk us down a little bit when we start to exacerbate a potential scenario. So combating confusion, focusing on how to do that, we have to deal with either how confusion leads us to challenge or sometimes in the midst of challenge, we start to get confused. You ever go through a challenge and all of a sudden it's just like, you can't make sense of anything? Yeah, that's a big part of the challenges that we go through. It's confusing. Our minds get all hamajang, which is a Hawaii word for all confused, messed up. Yeah, it's in our minds. Our minds start to not think clearly. And so we have to learn to be level-headed and not allow our minds to be all kind of messed up with, with fear. And so one of our biggest culprits of mishandling challenges is because... We allow confusion to set in. Whether our minds are confused or our minds are clear or actually are based on... I'm going to say that again because I said it really quick. Whether our minds are confused or our minds are clear is based on our spiritual influences. What we allow to influence us spiritually will cause us to be either confused or have clear thought. And so my question to you this morning is, how and what and who is influencing you? And are you having a lot of confusion or are you having a lot of clarity? Who is influencing you? Have you ever thought about that? Are the influences giving you truth or are your influences giving you lies? Because the reality is that whoever or whatever is influencing you will determine your level of clarity or confusion. If you're listening to lies, liars, you're going to be confused. If you're listening to truth tellers, you're going to have clear thought. And I'm sure that you already know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Liars lead us to confusion. People who don't tell us the truth, they get us all confused. They get us all messed up. And guess whose game that is? Who loves the game of confusion? It's the devil. He's a crafty confusion maker. He's the way of the slippery sly serpent. The deception of the devil. He likes to trick us. He likes to confuse us. He likes to mess us up. But we belong to the Father, don't we? John eight forty four says this. You belong to the Father. You see, the devil, the devil wants to carry out, I messed this verse up, I'm so sorry. The devil does not want to carry out the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. That's his native tongue, lying. For he's a liar, and he is actually called the father of lies. That's the work of the devil. He likes to cause confusion. He likes to mess us up with a whole bunch of lying. 
The devil likes to stir up our, my, our minds and cause confusion with lies. He's a little sneaky lie here, a little trickery there, a little magic leaves us trick and conf- trick, tricked and confused. Now, I don't know about you, but I like card tricks. I, I, I like to play these card tricks because I love to see the response on people's faces like, how did you do that? I just feel so powerful, you know, when I do that. Now, on the other hand, I don't like it when someone does tricks on me because I'm just like, how did they do that? It's so frustrating. I once heard a story from my pastor in Hawaii, Wayne Cordero, who said, I once uh, went to a magic show and I, I got invited backstage. And what he did was he asked the magician, he's like, how did you do those tricks? And the magician told him this. He's like, when I could get the audience looking at one thing, I was doing something else over here. And the pastor looked at him and says, you're like the devil. Because isn't that true? The devil likes us to get us looking over here while he's doing something sneaky over here. The devil is filled with trickery. He's filled with deceit. He's he's filled with lies. And so one of the ways that we combat confusion is bringing light, bringing the light in the places of darkness and combating lies with truth. And this is the work of, and the will of the Lord. God is not a God of confusion, but a God of truth and of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, says this, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Truth and peace. As in all the churches of the saints. You see, God breaks down confusion by bringing peace. Which is good, because confusion always brings stress, doesn't it? Confusion equals stress, anxiety, ah, fear, doing things I shouldn't be doing. God brings peace so that we can combat our stress-filled confusion. John 16, 13 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. You see, the Holy Spirit is speaking with the Father, saying, and what the Father is saying is what Jesus was saying, and it is exciting and gives me a lot of peace when I'm reminded that the Spirit will guide us in all truth. He He doesn't lead us towards confusion. He doesn't lead us in lies. Confusion is often misleading. Where should I go from here? How do I make my own way forward? you ever get to that place in life? I don't know what to do next. I don't know which way I should turn. I don't know which way I should go. It reminds me of the story about the Cheshire Cat. Remember the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland? Alice comes up to this fork in the road and she looks at the cat and she says, Well, would you tell me which way I should go from here? And the cat says this, Well, it depends a great deal on which way you want to go. And Alice says, I really don't care which way I should go. And then the cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you should go. See, if you don't have a determined destination, what the cat says, it doesn't matter which way you go. And sometimes I can get to that place too. I don't know the right decision. It's not like every decision has sort of this like long explanation. If I make this decision, then this will happen and this will happen and this won't happen. But if I make this decision, this will happen. It, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we make decisions with faith and with risks. And so sometimes I don't exactly know the right next step. I don't exactly know what I'm supposed to do. But I do need to know not necessarily where I'm going, what decision, but who I am following. 
You see, I need to know and allow the Lord to meet, to lead me. The Holy Spirit was sent to guide us, to lead us. And if things don't, mean, mean, don't make much sense, these signs aren't very clear, as long as we know who we're following, then we're going to know which way to go. And the Holy Spirit was sent to guide us in the midst of very complex and confusing times. Isn't it good to know that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, can still lead us in complex and in confusing times? Because if there ever was a time that we need to be led by the Spirit in truth, I think it's now. Our, soul, our, our culture has gotten a little cray-cray, <laughs> which is short for a hip, a hip way for saying complex, crazy, confusing, okay? Our culture is a little cray-cray, and I'm glad that the Holy Spirit is equipped to lead us despite this confu- these confusing times. See, the Lord leads us in righteousness. He shows us the way that is pure. And when we're wrong or we have been wronged, sometimes we want to respond, we want to respond with something that is wrong in return. You ever, does that ever happen to you? Somebody cuts you off? It's usually not you want to just kind of like wave to them, you know. Come to church on Sunday. You don't want to do that. What do you want to do? You want to speed up and cut them off, right? <laughs> When we're wronged, our feeling is to respond in wrong. But the Lord leads us in righteousness when we're wronged. God doesn't necessarily make every situation right, does he? It's not like if someone cuts you off, then there's like, you know, he's going to, you know, hit a tree or something like that to redeem the situation. You know, he's going further on, you know. It's like not every situation is redeemed. But that's okay because God makes every situation right when he leads us forward in righteousness. He's not necessarily into making every situation right. He's more about making us right and making us righteous. So basically when we're wronged, don't do something wrong, but go forward in righteousness. And in this process of going through confusing times, combating confusing times, challenging times, we have to learn to keep level heads got to keep our heads level. You know, sometimes we can make situations worse, go through a challenging time, and all of a sudden our heads are all over the place. Isaiah 26.3 says this, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, heading in the right direction because they trust in you. We have to keep our minds steadfast. We have to keep our minds focused. We have to keep our minds level. And when I think of a, a level head, it's sort of the opposite of someone having a bunch of highs and lows, going through their ups, going through their downs. Some of us here might have very high highs, like maybe you're the type of person that can be a little bit explosive. Some of us can get loud. Some of us can get opinionated. But others of us implode. Some of us, we have our dips. Some of us, we have our depression. Some of us, we have our tears. Now, whether you have your exploding or your imploding, you're not in a place of level-headedness. You're either going up or you're going down. And so, when my, when my wife and I, we typically both kind of have a similar response. We have dips in our psyche, you know? And then we just kind of like tell each other, you're kind of crazy-making right now. You're making a situation just wild, radical. You're making it big. You're making it crazy. And so sometimes we have to help each other to sort of come back to a place of level 
level-headedness, a level mind, level thinking, giving, getting us back in our right mind. Anybody with me there? It's nice to have somebody. Let's help us out getting a little bit level. And this verse in Isaiah, it helps us to be reminded that we have, it, it's really helpful to have somebody to correct us because we all have a tendency to drift. Every single one of us have a tendency to get explosive or implosive. Some of us react, we yell, say things we shouldn't. Other people, we get all depressed and we beat ourselves up. That's kind of the way that some of us are. It reminds me of when I was taking some, some lessons in flying airplanes. And I remembered learning about creating a pitch picture. And I may have mentioned this before. But the importance of the pitch picture means that you actually have your, your plane headed toward the horizon. So that when you looked out at your windshield, you can see both the sky as well as the ground. Okay, so check this out. Because if you're dipping too far, do I see the sky? No, I'm heading for the ground. Good idea or bad idea? Bad idea, right? Now, on the other hand, if I'm, if I'm up and I don't see any of the, the landscape and all I see is the, the clouds, that also is a bad idea because I can start to go higher, 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 and all of a sudden you can end up finding yourself in a tailspin, okay? So the idea here is that you want to have your eyes or your, you have your, your uh, nose of your plane fixed on the horizon so that you can both see the landscape below and you can see the skyline. You get a fi- you get you with me here. Get a pitch picture. Get it fixed. Stay level. Okay, that's the idea of flying. That's fine. In fact, it's better to learn how to fly. You know, keeping things pitched level than it is worrying about who's to the right or to the left of you. Because not that many airplanes up there. But anyway. Just a little flight lesson for you. Okay. Instead, we have to have our eyes fixed on the horizon, flying level. And the same is true of our pitch picture. Keeping our eyes on the horizon. And so my question to you is, if we were to keep our eyes fixed and focused so that we were to remain level-headed, what should our pitch picture be? It should be the cross. Right? It should be Christ. The picture of the cross is our focal point. It is because he and the cross, the life of Jesus and the cross resembles both the love of the Father and obedience to God as well as love and compassion for people. Having our eyes to heaven, to the kingdom, but also on the people around us. This is our focal point for our level walk with Christ. It reminds us that we're saved and we need to be reminded that we're saved. And it reminds us that we're forgiven. And it reminds us that we have an example to follow. We are reminded that, we, uh, that our life here on earth is temporary. And that eternity is ahead for us. God tells us, stay level, keep level. Keep our heads level by keeping our eyes fixed on Christ and the cross. But one of the challenges a lot of times that we go through and, and cause challenging times to get worse is when we face challenges alone. Being challenged in isolation is a bad idea. You see, that's when anxiety comes in from a mixture of both fear and loneliness. You see, I get challenged, I freak out, I fear. But the next question is, is am I alone? Because if we're afraid and we're alone, we're in a dangerous place. We're in a place of vulnerability. We're in a place where we can develop anxiety. We can start to panic. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord is saying, you might go through challenges, you might go through things that freak you out, stress you out, make you scared, but always remember that you're not alone. In fact, when you're feeling these moments of panic attack, when you're starting to freak out and get scared, number one, stop all decision making. Don't make decisions when you're in the midst of fear, okay? Otherwise, you're going to be doing damage prevention later on. But what do you do? You reach out. You recognize that we're not supposed to be alone in our fear. And God promises, based on this verse, that he will help us. He will support us, completely back us, and resource us. And we need to lean on the Lord for help. Look to the Lord for righteousness. Look to the Lord to uphold us with his righteous right hand. And so we need to learn to lean on God and his understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. You know, it's important for us to realize that our understanding is always a little bit incomplete. We're always, our thought process and our ideas are always just a little bit half-baked. We only have our own eye view and our own eyewitness. But our own understanding is not enough to solve most of the problems and challenges that we face. Yeah, the Lord says, lean not on your own understanding, but lean on my understanding. One of the wisest things that we can do when we face a challenge is start with this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't completely understand. Because when we think we know, when we think we always know, then we begin to start in a place of self-competency. I know. I understand. I get it. I can see it all. I know all. Self-competency. But when we realize that we don't know, this places us in a place of humility. Where we recognize that we that that God asking God for wisdom is necessary to handle and respond to circumstances or a challenge or a situation. When we lean on God's understanding, we recognize that we fully don't understand, but we know the one who does. I fully don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know. But I know God and I know he does. I know that he has understanding. He has the eye view, the perspective. And I need his understanding in this situation and circumstance. The one who does is God. And God says, lean on my understanding, not only yours. Because yours is so small and compartmentalized and short-sighted. Okay, and on and on and on. So when when we're challenged, our tendency is to check out sometimes. Or find something to numb our pain. You ever get to that place? I'm so challenged. I'm so stressed. I just want to check out. I don't want to deal with this thing. Right? But 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. God doesn't want us to check out. God doesn't want us to... Numb our minds when we're challenged and we're stressed. That's sometimes our first reaction. What this verse is telling us here is to be sober. Be alert. Do not be under any influence. 
not be numbed. But be aware at all times. A lot of us have different poisons that we choose. And some of us, we know people, it might be us here, I don't know, have different things that we do to help us to sort of distract us from our challenges. Some of us legal or, or illegal drugs, or for some of us too much alcohol. For others, addiction to video games or television or movies and media. And perhaps it's these things that make us a little dull or not as sharp. But more so, when we use these things to help avoid our challenges, cause us to be a little less alert. Causes us to not be able to be so sharp, to not be alert, to be prepared. And our culture, and as our culture is using these things more and more, we're seeing our culture becoming more and more sedated. Less sharp, less alert, less aware. And not able to handle challenges that we should be able to handle, that we go through. We're instead avoiding, uh, detracting, numbing. And the thing of this verse is that I myself and the Lord, this verse says, I don't want you to be numb. I think that's what the Lord would say to us. I don't want you to be sedated. I want you to be, I don't want you to be addicted to something where you can't make sense of things and you can't make good and helpful and thoughtful decisions. Instead, the Lord says, stay awake. Be on alert. Keep your mind sober and clear and be in prayer. The Lord is saying to us, stay sharp, be smart, think well so you can navigate challenging times. You know, our tendency is to try to detract ourselves, distract ourselves from things that are challenging. But the Lord says, instead of doing that, stay alert so that you can navigate them. Could you imagine that on a whitewater rafting trip and you decide to be all like sedated? That's trouble. That's trouble. But I think a lot of us kind of go through life that way. Oh, challenging time. I'm going to be sedated. I'm going to be numb. But God says, no, no, no. Be alert. Stay alert so that you can pray and you can be ready for this challenge that I have for you. God's called us to overcome challenges, not to escape them. He's called us to go through them. He says, I'll be with you. I'll help you. I want to see you overcome this challenge that's going on in your life. That's why our church is here, right? To support one another in our challenges. Amen. I want to invite the worship team to come forward.